Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for being an awesome God. We thank you that your spirit is alive here today. Father, help us to be sensitive of many things going on in this room. Help us, Father, to understand that you have a perfect plan in place for everything. Father, I thank you for the gift of life. I pray that we'd make the most of it here today. I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. As we go through uh, this, and as I explained, we got an awful lot of life of David to go through. And, and really, uh, we're entering into this book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and then after that, it's 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. Well, Kings and Chronicles are virtually some of the exact same stories. It's a repeat. But really, if you were to think of it, uh, uh, Kings is uh, almost like a newspaper. It's, it's, it's a outline of the history of kings. And, and Chronicles is the exact same thing. It's an outline of the history of kings. First and second kings, though, is kind of got the perspective of Israel up to the north, the ten tribes. While if we go through Chronicles, it, 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 it's the history of the kings to the south and what's happening down in the south. It's interesting, the, the book of Kings uh, 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 itself talks about the northern king and the southern king kind of simultaneously, and they're trying to put the things together. It's kind of uh, uh, the northern newspaper. How's that? And down to the south, we've got the newspaper called the Chronicles, and in the book of Chronicles, it's kind of weird. They only talk about the kings to the south. They're like, who cares about the kings of the north? <laughs> and, and if you, you go through first and second kings, you're getting a chronology of, of 10, 15 kings. And, and I think uh, 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 you're getting a history of them. And up there, they're telling you what's going on to the south. And if you read the book of Kings, you find that they can sometimes be rather critical, critical of the kings to the south. Where if you read Chronicles, which is the newspaper of the south, if you would, they're giving you a straight history of the kings of the south. And you notice they don't say too many bad things about their kings. <laughs> he was a good guy. Hezekiah, he was a good guy, did all these nice, righteous things. But if you read the book of Kings, the newspaper to the north, well, Hezekiah, you know, turned around and made this mistake, this mistake, and this mistake. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, it's amazing what you didn't quite hear from that book of Chronicles. And, and so we're starting off on the, the book of Kings, and it's really picking up where we left off. We've, we've seen the life of David. We've seen that he's had massive success. He's killed Goliath. He becomes king. He's now following uh, uh, the Lord and walking well. We've watched him fall into sin. We've watched him recover and come back. And now we've watched where David was old. We saw him write a psalm, a, a song, and his heart was poured out. We, we, we had, these are the last words of David, if you would, and, and now we're seeing David as he's an old man. And he gets, a, he gets a little benefit of being an old man and a king. He says, verse 1, he says, Now King David was old, advanced in years. And they put covers on him, but he just could not get warm. Well, therefore his servants said to him, Hey, let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king and let her care for him. And let her, oh, lie in your bosom that uh, the Lord, the king, may be warm. Yeah. 
So they, they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel, and they found Abishag the Shunammite. And they brought her to the king. And the young woman was very lovely. And she cared for the king and served him. But the king did not know her. And so at that statement, you're getting the idea that he did not know her in the biblical sense. Uh, he uh, 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 couldn't quite perform. How's that? And so if you would, uh, uh, I have a little sympathy uh, uh, towards uh, David here. He's having a hard time keeping warm. And I don't know what it is. I've got the brain tumor thing going on here. Cancer. My body's fighting. I've lost weight. I've lost muscle. And it is a problem with me. I, I'm oversensitive to the cold. I have a hard time sitting in bed and, and I'm sitting there shaking. My wife's sitting there sweating and she's going, and it used to be the opposite. I'd be like, you know, I'm sweating and she's freezing. And now all of a sudden you just realize your body's being taxed and, 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 and it has a hard time just keeping the temperature up. And so David's sitting here, he's shaking, and they're going, what are we going to do for David? Well, you know, we'll go get a little cutie pie for him. She can rub his back, you know, lay in bed with him. Two bodies together are better than one. It's got to keep yourself warm. That's what we'll do for you. Now, I've tried to make the pitch here and say, hon, I'm having a hard time. And, you know, uh, do I get an Abishag, you know? And, 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 and. And I don't, I don't even get an electric blanket. I don't know. I, I can't even get that. It's like, just sit there and freeze. <laughs> but, but, but in a certain sense, I, I don't know. You can look at it the other way. You know, what a horrible way to die. This, this is in the days before Viagra, right? <laughs> and, and, and you're sitting there in bed, uh, freezing. You've got a, a gorgeous, voluptuous thing next to you. You can't do anything with, and you die. I don't know. I think that's ironic. I don't know. David, who ran around and had sexual problems here, he's got everything he wants right next to him. Can't do anything with it. I don't know. Interesting. And we're going to watch Abishag play a role in the future here. But now it switches gears and it comes back and it starts to present the problem for David. And he's going to have this guy Adonijah, verse 5, the son of Hagith. He exalted himself. Never a good thing saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. We've heard that before. And his father, David, King David, had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? And he was also very good looking. And his mother had borne him after Absalom. Oh, now it all starts to click together. Uh, uh, the gal Haggith, the hag. <laughs> I don't know how you name somebody Haggith, but I don't know where the term hag ever came from. But, you know, David's got to be saying, what is it with this woman? I've got 35 wives and I got Haggith over here. She's got two boys and boy, each one of them are, are pain. We've got Absalom, which we had to kill because he rose up and he wanted to have a conspiracy, take over the kingdom. David had to kill him. And now, gee, the guy's brother, clone of clones, he comes up with the same process and he wants to start declaring himself king. So, you know, David's uh, up in the ivory tower. He's got his Abishag, the Shunammite, just hanging out with him. And the eyes of David are starting to close. And, and in the midst of 
not being rebuked, to rebuke somebody. I'm in your face and I'm telling you you're an idiot. That's what it means to rebuke somebody. It's not, can I tell you you got a problem and you're wrong? It's, I'm telling you, you got a problem and you're wrong. And, and David never rebuked the guy for doing any of this. So in a sense of the absence of, of a, a, a vacuum of criticism, he's starting to run with the ball. He's starting to say, nobody's telling me I can't do this. I'm going to be king. I'm going to be the next one in line. And what does he like to do? Same little trick as, you know, Absalom. Got me my nice big old chariot. And in front of my chariot going down the street, I got me 50 men to run in front of me. Like I said for Absalom, I don't know what that does for you. What do you have, five ranks of, of 10 men each as you ride your chariot down the street? I, I don't know, are they pulling you? You got a couple horses there and, and these men are sitting down there and you're riding down the street and instead of saying, I got me a Mercedes Benz, you're king of the world back then. You're saying, I got 50 men to run in front of me. Now, I, like I said, I, to me, that would just be a problem parking, Okay. <laughs> Why have 50 men run in front of you? And, 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 and the idea is, is it's show. It's to say, I can feed 50 men. I've got 50 guys right here. I'm Mr. Big. I'm going to be the king. I'm Mr. Whatever. And so if you would, uh, 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 he was very good looking, just like Absalom and his beautiful little hair. And uh, 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 he wants to sit down there and exalt himself. And he turns around, he starts to build his conspiracy. Verse 7, then he, Adonijah, he conferred with Joab, which we said was the commander-in-chief of the army, the son of Zariah, and with Abathar the priest, throw a holy man in, and they followed and helped Adonijah. So he's gathering together, big ally to have. I've got the commander-in-chief, I've got the military on my side. They want me to be king too. But, verse 8, Zadok the priest, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rei, the mighty men who belonged to David, were not with Adonijah. A little bit of split going on. And Adonijah, he sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle by the, the stone of Zeholoth. If you don't know where that is, it tells you. It's right there by En Rogel. Does that help you? No. That means the same to me. He also invited all of his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, and the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, Benaniah, the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. He knew quite well at this point that not everyone's going to go for this, that there's opposing sides. And I'm trying to gather as many people to my kingdom as possible. So Nathan verse 11, the good man of God, he spoke to Bathsheba, David's little fling in the sun that he got pregnant and killed her husband over, right? The mother of Solomon saying, hey, Nathan comes up to her, he says, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king and David our Lord does not know it? Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life in the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Well, why then has Adonijah become king? 
Then, this is, you know, Nathan's plan. Then while you're still talking with the king, well, I'll also come in after you and confirm your words. And so this is Nathan's plan. He says, we need to give the king a one-two. You're going to go in there, give your story, and just when you're done with it, I'm going to come in and give the same story, and the king's going to have to say, wow, bam, bam, one-two. You got to get the message, king. Something's going on here. And you got to understand that there's some big things happening here. It's no small incident. Uh, first off, understand the scenario. Nathan says, this is your life and your son's life are on the line. And the idea is, back in the good old day, if you ever became king, first thing you do as king is kill the competition. It's quite common. And we saw that with Gideon. Gideon has his son and he rises up. And, and as he rises up, he kills 70 of his brothers, kills them all on the same stone. I don't want anyone around here to, to challenge my, my position to kingdom. And, and, and you go, he goes, if, 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 if Adonijah becomes king, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to kill you and your boy. That's what happens pretty serious. And then you got to turn around, you got to recognize that God loved this little Solomon with Bathsheba. So big thing happening here. If we understand the story, I've explained this a thousand times, but we understand the story that, that David made a couple critical mistakes. He, he stayed at home when all the rest of the kings were out at battle. And then as he's up there at the uh, uh, deck of his house, he looks out and he sees Bathsheba over there. And he says, go get her and I'm bringing her over here to me. And Bathsheba, and they go, that's Bathsheba. That's the, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Your friend, David. David knew exactly what was going on. He says, I don't care, bring her over here. She's mine. So she comes over, she lays with the king. Child is conceived. And then David turns around and says, I got a little plan because as this child is conceived, we got to cover it up. We'll go get her husband, bring him home and they'll have relations and then he'll just think it's his. But Uriah had this thing called integrity, the Hittite. He turned around and had integrity. He says, I would never sleep with my wife while my men are out in the battlefield and the ark of God's out in the battlefield. I'm not coming home to have pleasure. I'm here, the king asked me to. And then David tried to get him drunk. He still wouldn't sleep with him and then, or with her. And then he turns around and has Uriah murdered in the battlefield. And he says, Joab, kill this guy. Send him out to the fiercest fighting. Retreat from him and let him die. David murdered to cover his sin. And so as we watch then, this child is, is, is now growing. And, and we watch then where David thought he got away with it. God turned around and sent Nathan the prophet to David. And he says, Nathan, tell David this little story. We've heard the story. There's a little small town. And as this little small town is out there, there's a rich man in the town. There's a poor man in the town. The rich man's got a thousand sheep, a thousand goats. He's got everything he wants. The, the poor guy has one little ewe lamb. Meh. He just loved it as his own child and took care of it and loved it. Well, the rich man, he gets a visitor. He's supposed to feed the guests. And so he turns around and he goes over to the poor guy and he grabs the lamb, chops it up into lamb chops and feeds his friend. David heard the story and he says, what? Whoever would do such a thing, let him die for his sin. Whoever done such a thing, let him pay fourfold for his sin. And then Nathan goes, what? You the man. You, you, you got 16 wives, David. What on earth are you killing and murdering Uriah for, for his wife? If you wanted another dozen wives, I would have given you another dozen. You don't have to kill somebody for it. 
David repented, confessed his sin right there on the spot, and I believe that saved his life, and that took his life off the chopping block. But as David said, fourfold he paid, he paid fourfold. And one of the first things that happened was a child that was conceived through Bathsheba died. Innocent life gone. Secondly, we turn around and uh, we see then that Tamar, the daughter of David, was raped by Ammon, the son of David. And then we watched Absalom, the other son, kill Ammon in order to uh, be vengeful on, 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 on raping Tamar. And it was a big mess, fourfold he pays. But part of David's redemption was that he did marry Bathsheba and that another child was born. And this little cutie, oh, the miracle child, uh, uh, David looks at it, Nathan looks at it and said, this is Jedediah, this is Solomon, this is, this is the son of peace. And it told David, very importantly, I'm not done with you, God says, I'm not done with you. And David turned around and we haven't quite gotten there, it's in Historian Chronicles, that, that all of a sudden we see that, that David takes this child and he's gotta raise it up and he says, Solomon, everything I have is yours. And so Bathsheba's getting the whole story of everything is Solomon. Solomon's supposed to be the next king. All of a sudden, Adonijah is now running around saying he's king. And Bathsheba has the very right case to say, hey, Dave, the miracle baby here, your son that you love so much, you promised the world to, we're gonna be dead if you don't do something about this. Wow. Remember all the things you said in front of everybody? This wasn't some small promise in the dark. And so now all of a sudden this guy's sacrificing animals and now he's starting to have a party and he's starting to blow the trumpet that he's king. And so Nathan comes up with the idea, you gotta go sit down there. He says, he says in verse 11, he says, and David our Lord does not know it. It's, it's David, this is what you're blind to. You're sitting here with your Abishag the Shunammite and you're not aware of what's going on in your own kingdom in the, front, in the street in front of your house. So he says that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon, verse 12. And so now all of a sudden Bathsheba goes, you're right, we need to go confront the king, verse 15. So Bathsheba went into the chamber of the king. And it says in parentheses, now the king was very old and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. Now I'm not sure what that means because we know he didn't have relations with her, and these are the days before Viagra, we said. And, and, and we're gonna look at this, and, and, and I don't know, maybe she's rubbing his back. Now, you know, how do you as Bathsheba, uh, older, I guess, got a son that's all grown up, I guess she's now 50, and she's trying to go talk to her husband, and her husband has the cute little thing rubbing his shoulders and talking to her, <laughs> Must have been a little weird, you know, as a wife to say, what the heck are you doing with my husband? And never mind that, she could probably say, hey, don't let it get to your head, chicky baby. I used to be the hot number two. And, and you know what? It gets harder as time goes on. I, I don't know. She was serving the king. So Bathsheba, I think, bowed and did homage to the king. And, and the king said, what is it you wish? Well, what do you want? And, and then she said to him, my lord, ahem, <clears throat> You swore by the Lord your God, cross your heart, hope to die, to your maidservant, saying, well, assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. That's outlined in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 28. So now look, Adonijah has become king. And now, my lord, the king, you do not know about it. Notice that's what her emphasis is. You're 
hate to say it, you're ignorant. You're, you're lacking information. He has sacrificed oxen and fattened sheep and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king, Abathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you. Is that kind of a little ironic statement for the guy that's blind? They're saying everyone's looking at you. He says that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of, uh, of my Lord, the king, after him. David, you got to say something here. Otherwise, it will happen when my Lord, the king, rests with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. We're on the wrong side of this kingship stuff, and then that means we're dead. And just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. And they told the king, saying, doo, 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 here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, Oh, my Lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me and shall sit on my throne? Question mark. For he's gone down today and has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abathar the priest. And look, they're eating and drinking before him. And they say, Long live King Adonijah. But he... He's not invited me, he, me, your servant, nor Zadok, the priest, nor Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been uh, done by my lord, the king, and you haven't told your servant who, who should sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him? And you got to love this. They're asking questions. You don't go into a king and says, hey, you're blowing it. Hey, you're blind. Hey, stupid. You don't say things like that to the king. Notice what they're saying. Did something happen that I missed? Uh, maybe it's me that's the stupid one here. Um, I would have sworn you had Solomon to be your son reigning after you, and now we have Adonijah. What happened? That's a decent approach. And then King David answered, and he said, mm, this is twice I've heard this. Call Bathsheba to me. Get her back in here. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, cross my heart, hope to die who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. I'll keep my word. And then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Whoo, let the, uh, my Lord King David live forever. Praise the Lord. And, and King David said, call me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. Uh, and, and they came before the king. Well, what's going on? And the king said to them, take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. Now, Gihon was a, a public place. It was a, a, a well, a spring. It was uh, 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 someplace that everyone was familiar with. It was, it had a famous uh, 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 spring in it that produced nice, cool, fresh spring water. And, and the idea is, is, is David's got to say, you put Solomon on my mule. And back then, the king rode a mule. It was a sign of his kingship. And everyone would recognize that as David's Cadillac. And now you got Solomon driving dad's car down the street, his own mule. And there he says, let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, uh, verse 34, anoint him king over Israel, blow the horn, doo -doo -doo -doo, and say, long live King Solomon. 
And then, well, we're going to top it. He says, then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne. Woo! That's daddy's, you know, lawn, you know, chair. You don't sit there. And he shall be king in my place, for I have appointed him to be a, a ruler over Israel and Judah. And you know what? Sit on my throne. This is now something Adonijah could not do. He can walk around with all the pomp and circumstance and think in his own mind he's king, but he ain't sitting on the throne. And Solomon has got to be sitting on the throne and saying, now I'm the man, I'm the true king. And uh, 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 Benaniah, verse 36, the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, what? Amen. <laughs> I went to the funeral on Thursday and let's just say it was a mixed crowd of people. Pastor's dead. There was probably 20 pastors in the room. And uh, Bill Goodrich, the pastor of Indiana, Indiana uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, he was given the message. And I thought it was funny. He started out the, the, the message by saying, now, I'm going to be up here preaching. And if any of you want to turn around and says amen or a hallelujah, you can scream it out anytime you want. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty bad when you explain that to somebody. But anyway, anyway. Uh, verse 36, Ben and I, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen, brother. May the Lord God of, of my Lord the king say so too. <laughs> As the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon, listen to this, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. Well, that's quite a mouthful. David, praise the Lord. Yeah, we got a new king and may he even be better than you. <laughs> Wow. And uh, 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 so Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, verse 38, the Chetherites, the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and took him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest took a horn from the oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the horn and all the people said, long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy. I love this. So that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Man, we are rocking the joint out. We got a new king. And boy, you could almost feel the earth shaking. It was so good. Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. And when uh, Joab heard the sound of the horn, these guys that had made Adonijah king, he, he said, why is the city in such a noisy uproar? What's all that noise outside? And while he was still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Abathar, the priest. And, and Adonijah said to him, well, come on in for your prominent man. I'm sure you got some good news for us. What's all the music in the street? And Jonathan answered and he said to Adonijah, no. <laughs> Our Lord King David has made um, Solomon king. And the king has sent him to Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, the Chethrites, the Pelethites, and they have made him ride on the king's mule. Uh-oh. Uh, so Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king in Gihon, and they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the, the, uh, uh, the city's in an uproar. Everyone's partying. This is the noise that you've heard. Also, Solomon sits on the throne of the king. Nope. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord King David, saying, may God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and may he make his throne greater than your throne. And then the king bowed himself on the bed. He accepted it. Also, the king said thus, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day while my eyes see it. 
So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid. Uh-oh. And arose, and uh, each one went his own way. Exit stage left. <laughs> I didn't say anything about Adonijah being king. No, no, no. I was just, you know, taking pictures. I was just watching. I was, ooh, not me. Because <laughs> you don't want to get your head cut off. <laughs> now, Adonijah was afraid of Solomon. He knew what was coming. So he arose and he went. And it says, and he took hold of the horns of the altar. So all of a sudden, this concept of taking hold of the horns of the altar is a big concept. The idea is, is that uh, uh, in Jerusalem, they had the temple. Uh, uh, the temple was a place of sacrifice. It's where the priests were. And as you walked into the temple, the first thing you'd do is you'd bring your sheep, your goat, and you'd uh, uh, bring it to the priest. They'd inspect it, and then they would take it and kill it on the first altar that was there, the altar of burnt sacrifice. It was flames kicking up. It's a big barbecue pit. And out of each one of the corners of this big barbecue pit was a horn coming up. Horn kind of represents the strength of an animal. You think we, we kill a rhinoceros, we cut off its horn, and you say, this is what it gored people with, and now I have it as a token of mine. And the horn coming up, the strength and the might of God, and what, 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 what Adonijah does is he goes and he grabs hold of the horns. He says, I'm right here, Solomon. And what he's really saying is, if you want to kill me, you're going to kill me right here in front of God and everyone else. Are you willing to do that? And, you know, in a certain sense, let's say you and I have a fight and I'm mad at you. And it's what you do is you come into the 11 o'clock service and you stand right here and you say, Dave, and I have a problem. And if you want to kill me, Dave, you want to stab me in the back. Here's a knife. You do it right here in front of your congregation, right here in front of God and everyone else. Well, I'd rather do this in, uh, you know, behind closed doors. I'll stab you in the back. But boy, it's effective if you got your kid. I'm telling you, I've had all four of them. And I, I say that. I says, you don't eat those peas. I'm going to spank you right here in front of God and everyone. Dead serious, man. <laughs> you don't even care if God's watching them spank me. <laughs> that's right. Boy, they eat those peas. You know, you don't have to repeat that sentence twice. And, and that's what he's doing. He's grabbing hold of the, uh, the horns of the altar. And he says, I'm right here, pal. You want to kill me, kill me. And it was told Solomon, verse 51, indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. And look, he's taking hold of the horns of the altar, saying, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with a sword. If you're not going to kill me, then I'll let go and I'll leave. And then Solomon said, listen to this, if he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent him to bring him down from the altar. And he came and he fell down before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, go to your house. Get out of here. You make me sick. And we're going to find out. I don't want to ruin the story for you. Old Adonijah, it says, if he, any wickedness is found in him, he's a bad boy. And I just want you to know it has a little bit to do with that gal, Abishag the Shunammite. I'm telling you, we got a song in that, Abishag the Shunammite. She's a real cute girl, but she's really dynamite. I don't know. We, have, we should have some composers here. Someone should be able to write a song in the next week or two and, and play it for us next week. No pressure on Chris or anybody else here, but I'm telling you, it's a catchy name. I, don't you love that? Hey, this is my chick, yeah, Abishag the Shunammite. 
I mean, out of all the names in the Bible, that, you know, that's a pretty catchy name. I don't know. But what we watch here and what's important for us is that we see David, and it's kind of sad. I don't want to pick on poor Abishag, but, but we've watched David make a critical mistake before. We watched David sleep with Bathsheba. And we watched the damage that that came into his life. And we said that happened for two reasons. We said, we said, first off, when we start the story, the chapter about Bathsheba, it says it was springtime, the time that the kings went out to war. And I don't know what happens, and we've said this before. What is it, every spring you have to just mount up your army and go out to the field and hack each other up? Is this what we said war was? And we said war at the time was what men did before there was football. Now, you know, we love to watch Ohio State pounce all over Nebraska, and there's a certain amount of mental male aggression that we go, yeah, play him hard, you know, break his back. Ooh, I mean, you know, put him down. And, 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 and before that, men would say, well, you know, we don't have football, so let's just get some swords and go out and hack each other up. It's the thing to do. And, uh, and, and, and David decided at the time, ah, let my men go out and fight. I fought and fought and fought and fought. I'm going to stay home. And as David was staying home, he then looked upon the appearance of a woman. And, and if you watch then uh, uh, where David is, if you can back up just a couple weeks, we saw a scene where David was old. He's out in the battlefield. He's, uh, I'm swinging the sword. And, and as he's there, we watch one of Goliath's sons. We said he had four sons. He comes up, he sees David. He says, I'm going to rip this guy off. He, he, he killed my father. And he starts coming at him. And then it was one of Joab's brothers who turned around and stood up and sliced this, you know, giant in pieces. And he said, David, can you get off the battlefield? No offense, you're a bigger liability than you are. You're an old man. And if you die, it's like 10,000 of us dying. And if 10,000 of us die and you live, nobody cares. You, David, get off the battlefield. David's off the battlefield. David now has what? He's got Abishag the Shudamite. He's got his woman. He's up in his little ivory tower. He starts to go blind. And all of a sudden, somebody's declaring himself to be a king right in front of him. I think that's the meaning of the story here. And, and, and the idea is, is Nathan and Bathsheba they come in and they says, you don't know. You don't know what's going on in your own kingdom. You don't know what's going on in the front street of your house. You got a guy running in front of your house with 50 men in front of his chariot calling himself to be king, and you don't even know it? And for you and I, the message is rather pretty simple, pretty clear, that, that there is a, 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 an active participation for you and I to be involved in the body of Christ. How's that? Active participation. And, and you know what? We can, we can be alive and walking dead. How's that? Our eyes are closed and we're immune to all the problems that are going on inside of us, around us, in front of us. And, and the truth is, is we've missed everything. And, and the truth of the matter is, is if you watch in the New Testament, uh, uh, the, the exhortation to you and I is to watch, 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 watch. The church is told to watch. And, and, and we're to have our eyes open. We're supposed to be waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be aware. And it's interesting, if you even go to Paul in the, in the book of Acts, we see that Paul comes up and he speaks to the, the leaders of Ephesus, the church. Paul, the apostle, having an, an elders meeting. And, and he expresses some beautiful ideas. He says, man, I've labored. I have worked as hard as I can to present the gospel without cost to you. But he says, I want you to be aware of one thing. He says, he says there's, there's, there's wolves that are gonna come from without. 
And then he turns around and he says in Acts chapter 20, there's also going to be wolves that come from within. Oh, isn't that amazing? That within our own ranks, do you think that? That somebody would be in our church, would be a ravenous wolf here to destroy the church? Wow. And we should be watching, taking an inventory. And, and, and you know, we know the old adage, don't judge lest you be judged. We know that. That's, that's Matthew chapter 7. And, and everyone wants to tell us that. But in the very same chapter, the very same chapter, Jesus also says, beware the ravenous wolves who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, are ravenous there to devour you. And Jesus says, you've got to know them by their fruits. You've got to be a fruit inspector. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles. You don't, you don't just find these things. You don't go to a weed and try and get a tomato. You, 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 go, you go, no, I want to I wanna go to a good you know, apple tree to get an apple. And, and, and uh, the good tree bears good fruit. The bad tree bears bad fruit. The good tree is, is kept and the bad tree is cut down and thrown into the fire. So Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus also turns around and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, uh, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What? And he's going to say, hey, did we not perform miracles in your name? Did we not cast out demons, Jesus? We've done all these great things. And Jesus says, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. You mean there's people that don't really know the Lord that can turn around and act and look so superficial and so fake and phony, and yet they're really a ravenous wolf. And, and, and so, yes, we're not here to judge people's salvation and, and, and rip things apart, but we are here to be smart to know what to do as a fruit inspector, to look at something and says, that ain't measuring up. You're talking about the love of Jesus, but boy, you're a little pervert inside. Something ain't right. And, and, and as we look at this, as we go into communion, we, we need to be able to say, uh, 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 we need to, to, to be alert, to be awake, and to be uh, 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 aware of what's going on and to say, Lord Jesus, maybe our prayer here today is to say, Lord Jesus, wake me up. I've been asleep. My priorities are way out of whack. And, and, and just as we talked about last week about giving, and, and God bless everyone that contributed, and, and we want to continue that. But it's not just the money. It, it's, it's about your time, your talents, and your treasures, and, and, and who you are as a person that you can give to the Lord with. And in all honesty, sometimes, and I hate to go long here, but you know, we sit down afterwards, we eat. And maybe you can give, whoo, the hard thing. Go across the table and ask somebody their name. Talk to them. Ask them how they're doing. Oh, you got a dog, Fluffy? It has fleas. How about if I pray for you? How about if I pray right now? Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you. I just pray for Fluffy and his fleas and that you take care of it. And guess what? If you see that person next week in church, you develop this thing called a bond of friendship and then you can sit down and say, hey, how's things going? What's up? Hey, how's Fluffy doing with his fleas? Well, you know, stranger than you'd ask, you know, I, I happen to use the flea powder and it really worked on Monday. Oh, the flea powder. <laughs> But you know, as cheesy as it is, you're building, a, you're building a foundation. You're building a link between somebody. And trust me, I know what I'm asking. I'm asking you to be very generous, very much giving to be able to say, reach across the table and talk to somebody. Pray with somebody. Try praying with them right there on the spot. Woo! You try doing that in Walmart. 
I double dog dare you. That takes some. Yeah. So, so God's asking us to be a little bit more aware of and to be bolder and to be, and to be watching what happens with David and say, David, you gotta, you, you gotta get past this. You can't be blind to what's happening in your kingdom. And you have a kingdom in front of you. You have a little world that you know, you're part of and you can either be part of that for Jesus Christ or you can go back into the death of what it's always been. Amen? Amen. So we're gonna partake of communion. And if a, a few of the pastors would uh, come forward and pass out the elements of communion. Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you for this congregation, Father. I pray that for everyone that is here, that you would bless them this week and that they would grow and mature and accomplish, Father, much. I pray, Father, that if we meet someone in Walmart, that if we're able to be on the ball, that we'd have perception, Father, to see that there's many people in this world that are hurting, that need a prayer that need love and need compassion. Father, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.